sometimes you set out to find out what you want to be when you grow up. And instead, you decide to figure out what you're here for. This is the Wayward Podcast. We're going. Hello. Hi, Brianna Buckmaster. Oh, God. Kim, where are we right now? On the floor. Can you ever believe it? Um, they're on the floor. We're on the floor in Paris. In Paris. Wait. Um, I was just complaining about how I can't move my face for a number of, you know, very methodical cosmetic reasons, <laughs> but also because we're super jet lagged. Both of us, I fell asleep. Like I, I texted Kim and was like, I got to have a quick power nap and then I'll be right down to your room. She's like, okay, here's my room number. And then I knocked on the door and I hear, I'm up, I'm up, hello. <laughs> I was just dressing my eyes. I'm, not, I'm okay. <laughs> Made me laugh. I was like, same girl, same. Although I feel like I've got a handle on it. I feel like I'm, because we showed up a day early, I'm okay. Although I feel like I've always said that. The second night is always the worst night, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm really hot. Take it off. Take it all off. Um, we can turn the air down if you want to. No, I'm good. Oh, okay. Uh, how has your visit been so far in Paris? This is both of our first times. I'm terrified of things that are different. Right, right. I don't know what anybody's saying. Are you actually actually terrified or you're just oh, no. uncomfortable? I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm not actually actually yeah. terrified because otherwise I wouldn't be able to do this for a living. But I'm very like, I don't like change. Right. I like, I like my stuff. I yeah. like to know what I'm doing. Yeah. Things are weird and eh. But you do like traveling, though, generally. I do. You know what? I like seeing different nature. Mm, oh. I'm not one of those. You're not a people person. Yeah, I'm not a people person. I had this conversation <laughs> with my brother because he travels all the time, but he likes to go like biking and seeing and boating and fishing. And I'm like, I could give a shit. I would love to just saddle up at a bar and have a conversation through hand gestures only with somebody I'd never met before. All I want to do is meet people. Yeah. I just love it. I want to see different trees yeah. and put my feet in different oceans Isn't and that funny? look at different aminoles and, but yeah, I I'm not, so, I'm not so much the, the, I'm not so much a people person. I think a lot of people are like that. Would you consider yourself an introvert? I am officially an introvert. I took the test again. Oh. I used to be an extrovert. I oh. used to fall on the scale as an extrovert, but I retook the test because I because of this very thing, and it turns out I am now an introvert. I think I'm more, I'm like a extroverted introvert or something like that because I really do need solace and not solace like downtime. I need like alone time in order to recharge, but I also need to recharge through cycles, healthy cycles of other relationships. I don't know if that's a thing, but I heard it was once, and I was like, I'll take it. That's no, fine. I'll take it. Yay. Yay. Just the check, please. Um, so Kim and I thought a good thing to discuss today would be along the lines of who you think you are and what you think your calling is. Now, yeah. that's a real grand thought and thing to peruse on, um, so we'll do our best. What do you think your calling was when you were young? What the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> um, 
when I was young, you mean like, what did I think it was going to be when I grew up? Yeah, I don't think when we were young, I'll speak for myself. I don't think when I was young, I had, there was, I knew what my calling was, unless you were going to be a nun or something like that. I was like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, well, I wanted to be a, you know what? Okay. So my calling to put it as generally and kindly as I can. When I was a kid, I wanted to make people happy. Mm. I still want that. But as a kid, I wanted it because I needed their happiness to fill up my own lack of happiness. Mm -hmm. Um, I needed their feelings to validate me. Mm -hmm. I needed their love to make me feel loved because my internal source was cut off. Mm -hmm. And I I, I blame it. It's just my little soul's journey on this planet. I still feel like my calling is service. Yep. It's just, I feel like now my source opens up. I am less needing to drink the water and more the hose that carries it. Um, Somebody once said, you know, if you are authentically tapped into your source, the hose is always wet. You never fear not having enough. Yeah. So now it's just me going through and finding all the kinks and the and the bends and the knots mm-hmm. that prevent it from flowing freely mm-hmm. for me. I love that. I love that. Um, that's something that I've been um, working and meditating and thinking about and discussing a lot lately is that it, endless and unconditional self-love and how... So many people go through life truly without it, without the realization that all of your love should come from within first. Oh, yeah. And I think that, you know, even, you know, in the past few years, I think that I considered myself to be a self-loving person. And I don't think I truly was because I needed so much from others, you know including my parents and my husband and my daughter and lots of people. Um, and now I'm, I'm really discovering and working on the idea that I don't actually need any of it and that everything we have is within ourselves. Now, what is that? How does that relate to a calling? I think when I was young, I wanted to do things that I was interested in. Um, before I wanted to be an actor, I, I decided I want to be an actor when I was 11 after I saw Les Mis Mm -hmm. and I don't know what about that. I think I was so moved at such a young age that I thought that must be it. Um, and so always thought and knew that now, you know, I also wanted to be a, I think I wanted to be a hairdresser at one time. Um, I always loved doing hair and makeup, wanted to be like an interior designer, uh, when I was struggling with acting, I worked for a while as a, um, not a wedding coordinator, but a, an event coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really good at that. So I, I tried a lot of different things. I worked in the restaurant industry for years and years and years. And I was good at them and I enjoyed them, but it never felt like it was my calling. And my my husband brought something up recently where he was like, I'm not sure that even acting is your calling. I think that entertaining is my calling. And I think that sometimes that entertaining comes through what I feel like I, is majority of my job right now, which is 
um, I don't want to say inspiring, but I guess it would be that inspiring through um, relation or inspiring through um, demonstrative authenticity. I don't know what it is, but the more I am myself, the more people come to me with the gratitude of seeing somebody who they can relate to being themselves even though they're flawed yeah um and that that is really driving me right now but um I don't know that I've found my calling and I'm not sure that that makes me sad I feel okay with that I think there's I don't I think there's a, a a mistaken belief that calling is an end, like where you end up. Here sure. Is my, here is Your my, ex. what I'm going to do when I grow up. Yeah. As opposed to, I try, I had this realization as I was walking around um, a street that I don't know, listening to language that I don't know, <laughs> is that um, it's back to this idea of service, where when I am frightened, I forget that I have something to offer because all I think of is that I need, mm. right? And so if I put my head back into a space of in this moment, what do I have to offer? Not now in the past that's translated into who's broken and how can I fix them, which is not necessarily something to offer. That's a judgment first. Mm -hmm. But if in this moment, what do I have? I can step around a child who's not paying attention to where they're walking. I can smile at someone who looks confused. I can just pay attention, attention. to what's around me. Yeah. And in this moment, this is now my calling. If I focus on something besides myself, and what I realize is that then I'm not projecting fear. If I focus on you, mm -hmm. I'm not projecting fear. Mm -hmm. And then other people are not like, oh, is there something to fear? No, that person's not scared. Mm -hmm. Great, then I don't need to be scared. Like, so it can start this cycle of simply just not being scared because I'm not focused on myself. And maybe that's my calling is figuring out how not to be fucking terrified all the time. And you think that's from being in the moment? Um, I do. I think it's, it's practicing mindfulness mm -hmm. because the truth is I'm safe. Yeah. That's the truth. Yes. Everything that makes me feel like I'm not safe is the in my story. brain. Yeah. It's and my brain is such a great storyteller. Um, did you we were talking briefly about Brene Brown. Did you yeah. watch her Netflix special that just came out? No. So you know Brene Brown, for those of you who don't know, is this incredible um researcher uh who was made famous. She's a researcher of shame. Um, and she was made famous when one day she decided instead of doing a talk on shame, she did a talk on vulnerability. Um, and that video went viral and she became famous and now has five New York Times selling best selling books and tours the world and is a genius billionaire. And we love her and she gets all of the good things. But in this, um, she, she said a number of brilliant things. Uh, and reiterated a number of brilliant things, but something she said that I thought was so great, she was discussing in this, and I'm sorry if you're going to watch this Netflix special, I'm going to ruin it for you. Um, she was discussing a incident she had with her husband um, where they were swimming in a lake, and they used to swim together all the time in this lake, and they were, got up and they were like, we're going to have healthy mornings. Every morning we're going to get up and swim. So she's swimming with her husband. They are both used to be competitive swimmers. They're going back and forth. And she stopped and she looked at her husband and she went, I'm really happy to be in this moment right now. And thank you so much 
for sharing it with me. And he went, yeah, water's great. And he kept swimming. And she was like, okay, okay, uh, okay, sure. I mean, he doesn't have to be on my level. That's fine. They kept swimming and, you know, the moment came up again and she suddenly was like in her head going, you know, what? he probably didn't hear me. He probably didn't understand me. And so she stopped and, you know, said the same thing, different words again. Um, thank you. I love you. Um, I'm so happy and grateful that we're here in this moment. He's like, yeah, water's great and kept swimming. So by then she was like, and steam coming out of her ears and mouth. And the, she let that simmer. Um, which of course is often not good anger. If you that's called a resentment. So then they, um, you know, that resentment bled into the day and, um, she was in the kitchen and I think he came in and said something like what's for breakfast. And she went, well, let me ask the breakfast fairy (laughs) breakfast fairy. What's for breakfast today? You know, and was short and angry. And he was just like, I don't want to do this with you. And so she was like, oh, if I, if my husband tells me he wants a divorce while I'm standing in the kitchen in a bathing suit, I will be very angry. Um, and she stopped and she remembered something in her research that I thought was fascinating, which is a sentence, and I can't remember who all says it, but it's somebody in her research, a large group of people in her research says this one sentence, which is, the story I'm telling myself is... So she used that and reiterated it to her husband to not just communicate, but have him comprehend. That's the difference, right? The difference between communication and comprehension. We can communicate till our tits fall off. But if the other person is not comprehending, it's not true communication. And they won't pick up your tits. Exactly. Nor should they. That's your job. (laughs) Um, But uh, she said, you know, the story I'm telling myself right now is that you saw me in the pool in the lake in my swimsuit and thought wow she's not the woman I married because of how I look in a swimsuit and she can't swim that well anymore and you were immediately um unattracted to me and it's making you uncomfortable and he was like no I had a dream last night that uh all of our kids were drowning in the lake and I couldn't save them because I wasn't swimming and I'm not used to swimming in a lake. So I was in the lake practicing my strokes, trying to count my strokes as I was having a giant anxiety attack. And it was just like two completely opposite yep. ends of the spectrum. Yep. And so, you know, something that I've learned from you that we now use all the time is what I'm hearing you say is. So this takes it even a step further by sharing not what you're hearing from the other person, but what that other person's actions or words are forcing you to create the story in your head, which I thought was fascinating because it's just another layer of going, this is how my body and my past and my trauma and my brain is reacting to what you're telling me right now. Yeah. It's like the feelings on top of the feelings on top of the communication. Well, and I can't find my purpose when Mm -hmm. I'm focused on my past. No. And when you're just spiraling, right? I sent him, I sent, so, so recently I got a thing. I get the Abraham Hicks texts or emails and, um, what's that? Are you not? Oh dear. Who? I don't know any of these words that you just Uh, said. All right. Well, we'll do the, we'll do this after the podcast, but, um, but a new one to welcome to. And, Mm. uh, and one of it said was when you're telling yourself a story, just say these thoughts don't serve me. 
and change your thoughts. So it's like you talk about the stop, drop, and roll, right? So when I get into my self-pity and my fear, mm. I'm incapable of showing up for other people. So I was like, what are thoughts that I really love? And recently, and I sent him this in a text, I was like, one of my favorite thoughts right now is Mike Borja with a keytar. Oh, yeah. I love Mike Borja. Mike Borja, he does it for everybody. And so I texted him, I was like, I went down a spiral of having a fight with somebody that I don't actually even know in my head. And if they said this to me and if I ran into them and then I would say this and then you would say this. And I was like, this thought does not serve me. Mike Borja on a guitar. Oh, I love that. Oh, look, I'm happy now. (laughs) But just back to like, what's my calling? Mm -hmm. In order to find what I have to give, I have to get rid of my attachment to my baggage in the first place and your attachment to expectation that's another thing we talk about a lot um i think that when you are young and you are you know trying to decide what you want to be what your calling is but what you want to be when you grow up you attach to that expectations of outcomes right so for instance when i turned 30 i told myself probably since I was 18 years old that I was going to go to Paris for my 30th birthday. Now, did my 18-year-old self know that I would be paying for my rent on my line of credit with my credit card and um, having bed bugs at 30 in my shitty apartment? No. So I didn't get to go to Paris on my 30th birthday. Um, and I that broke me. That destroyed me. Because oh. I couldn't... I had all of these thoughts that by a certain day which is the dumb now as I'm older um just tiny bit uh I, I realize how silly that is to go I must be this person by this day oh but how common is that I oh, need to God, have especially in I our need industry to be married right? by a certain point I need to have a series by a certain point I need to have a certain car by a certain mm-hmm. point like all of these milestones that actually I I attach my worth to mm-hmm. when so often, like I'm thinking of, I I'm thinking of scout quite frankly, mm. like it's not up to me to say what her calling is, mm-hmm. but I don't know if she knows how many people she makes happy mm-hmm. by what she does. I think so often our calling and I'm using air quotes people, even though you can't yes, see it. Yes. Can you feel the, feel the air, feel the whoosh of the air quotes. <laughs> I think so often our calling is something we might find out in the rearview mirror by like, oh, wait, here's this thing that I was doing because it made me happy and it bled out into the world in in a beautiful way. Mm -hmm. Um, So so doing something so that that attachment will be fulfilled maybe isn't the best way of finding what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. My husband has, um, and this is going to be funny because my husband listens to our podcast every single week. So. Hi, Jose. Hi, Jose. Um, he is a brilliant man and is one of those people that got a thousand percent in every class he was in went in high school and then went to computer science, um, a university for computer science and didn't want to do that and became a very successful chef and didn't want to do that. So he has all of these things of going... He's trying to figure out his calling, and he found it really stressful for years and years and years because all he wanted to do so badly was find out who he was supposed to be. I don't think he ever thought of it as, until recently, what am what is my purpose to to be and do for others? 
And um, I think that's kind of where what he's, you know, made this massive realization about himself and what he's on this planet for is to be of service for others. Um, And it's a massive relief. And with that, he still he doesn't know how necessarily he doesn't know he doesn't know how to go about doing that for as many people as he humanly as humanly possible which is what he wants to do he doesn't know what his steps are when i was young and was wanting to be an actor i knew i went to theater school then i tried to get a job i had a serving jobs to support my theater job i had steps right um he doesn't have those steps and he's he doesn't need them and that's what i'm getting to is going Maybe if we all practiced focusing on true authenticity, as in checking in with ourselves, going, where am I now? What do I have to offer others now? Instead of going, I need to be this. I need to do this. I need to experience, feel this, have this person feel this by a certain time. Um, You know, then maybe we would find our true callings. And I, I, I want to add on to that, that when you use the phrase, what do I have to offer someone? Um, I think we underestimate the value we have right now, mm-hmm. like my own worth. Simply fo- seeing someone, saying, I, I see you, mm-hmm. be it for a millisecond, is being of service. Um, smiling at someone, holding a door for someone, fucking not rushing to get that fucking parking space because god damn it i've been coming around this fucking parking lot for five minutes and they're in front of me but fuck you that's my parking space Mm -hmm. like sometimes just not being a dick Mm -hmm. is actually being of service it's something of worth we can offer so so the idea of well i don't have anything of value to offer Mm, is bullshit also when people are like i don't have any skills I'm like, that's not necessary to be of service to this planet. Yeah. You know, skills. I like having skills. I enjoy having skills. I more enjoy gaining skills than having them for me. It's my water bottle, everyone. Hey, water bottle. I don't I don't know if I have any skills. Well, that's bullshit. You can ride a horse. You Not well, you can act. says my broken back. But those are skills. I don't know how to ride a horse. Do you know what I mean? Um, people know languages. Um, you can sign. I can't sign. There's lots of things I don't... I don't know how to cook. You can cook. Those are all skills. I don't. Skills. You don't have to have, like, degrees in those things <laughs> to have skills. <laughs> um, Mad skills, yeah. yo. I always prided myself on being that person that knew a little bit about everything but not a lot about anything yeah I don't think I know a lot about anything I've gone through my life being that person like I used to know a lot about wine but never the most I was never knew the most about wine so do you think that goes hand in hand with a calling like knowing a lot no but I think that's the trick is that I think people and it might be a generational thing too like when you were in when I was in high school uh everybody was trying to figure out what they were going to go to university for. You're gonna, what university are you going to and what are you taking? The idea of taking a year off to figure it out sounded like a bullshit thing to say. Going, mm-hmm. That just meant nobody, somebody was a slacker. Really? Yeah. And now I'm like, that's crazy to me that people just like went to university right at 18 
because that's what they decided. And university is fucking expensive. Like, there's no way I would like... If Valentina didn't know what she wanted to do, I would be like, then you fucking think about it. Yeah, wait. You tour the world and think about it. I'd rather you spent $10,000 traveling the world than going to university and wasting it. University's not a waste. I think going to university when you feel pressure to just go is a waste. Well, but I think at the same time, like going to college when you don't know, that education can help you find out. You know, like like university is someplace. I definitely tried things on in college that I wouldn't have tried on, which oh, yeah. was where I found, oh, I, I could be an actor, oh. maybe. Uh, that was you know, I, I think I, I've heard that a lot. A lot of actors tried something in college. Like, and were there for other reasons and took an acting class. And we're like, hey, actually, this is pretty dope and I'm pretty great at it. Yeah, that's a good point. I, um, I I think it's also hard to find something that you love enough. No, let me make that personal. I find it hard to find something I love enough to be brave enough to do. Um, I definitely, like, Again, I, I spent the flight over here watching TED Talks, so so this is fresh in my mind. But mm. there's a young man who does, he has a podcast based on people who wrote him hate comments on Twitter. Oh, I love that. And he calls them and has conversations with them. And this How does he get kid, that number? This kid, he slides into he their DMs. Exactly, going, um, do you want to talk about this? <laughs> and, and he's done such interesting, edgy honest work and he has a YouTube channel and he you know sat in bathrooms with trans people I believe his first name is Dylan please comment in the 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 section below what his actual (laughs) name is he's so lovely but I was watching him and I was just crying because he was so brave I don't have the courage to sit in a bathroom with trans people and put it out on YouTube because I believe in their right to be in whatever fucking bathroom they identify as because I'm scared of what people are going to say to me as strangers in a strange world. Hmm. Like, and am I capable of not reading the comments? Sure I am. Am I capable of putting something out there and not attaching to it? Sure I am. Do I? No, because I'm scared. Hmm. So... I think that finding your calling has to be a bigger desire than being safe. That's a good point. There's, um, and, and Brene Brown talks about the, it's so funny that when she tells people that she um, studies and does um, talks on vulnerability and courage, and they go, oh, so... Uh, you know, opposite ends of the spectrum. And she's like, what? No, 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 no. They are the same thing. They're right there on top and beside each other. Well, that's why I, I like this podcast. I like what we do. I like what I do when I talk to people because I'm I'm not brave. Mm. I'm not an inherently lion-hearted human being. Mm. And I'm honest about that. Mm. So that when you see me take a baby step, y- you know you're witnessing courage. And if I can fucking be terrified yeah. and take a baby step, then so can you. I'm not asking. We were we were talking about service and changing the world and what we want to do. And um, and Misha Collins came up and I, I was like, I don't I don't 
necessarily need to build a school in Haiti. Mm-hmm. I just want that person over there to stop crying for a second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like my my. And my that's what pers- I was gonna say is like I don't think of you. I know, and you and I have talked a lot about this. Is that sometimes you 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 like an extra nudge or encouragement to take that next step in that sense I can understand what you're saying about being a fearful person but I don't think of you as a fearful person and while you feel that way know that I think a lot of people think because of how unafraid you are to approach other people's pain and trauma that is also something that a lot of humans are too scared to do. Well, there's a there's a gift of there's a calling, right? Yeah. That comes out of the only reason I'm not scared of other people's pain is because I've lived through most of them. Yeah. <laughs> like check, check, yep, check that box. Oh, yeah. that one. Oh, and that one over there. I forgot I went through that. And so, you know, in that way, I can celebrate a lot of things that sucked in my life mm-hmm. because they've given me courage to yes. not be scared of other when other people when I say I know you can get through this, I'm saying that from first person from experience. experience. Yeah. Like yes. you can do this. Yeah. Because trust me, if I could do it, you can do it. Yeah. I I love the idea that fearlessness does not look one way. I was called fearless my entire life and I had lots of fears but showing up loudly and largely was not one of them speaking my voice was not one of them um being loved was one of them you know um I worried a lot about my family my parents that was a big fear but I just think that I think that for those listening, I think it's important for everybody to know that my fearlessness does not have to look the same as yours. Yeah. And um, we shouldn't think that we don't, we can't do what we want to do, find our calling, be who we want to be in this world because we feel like we have fears. And separating, I think this is an important distinction, separating who you want to be in this world, mm-hmm. what you want to do in this world from an attachment to an identity. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. if I do that, then I will be the person I want to be. Mm-hmm. If I do that, it means I will have worth. If I get there, mm-hmm. it means I will have attained something. Yes. Don't use your, your purpose in this world to fulfill a hole within you. The goal is is that that thing we always say? No, I don't even know. My brain just got jet lagged. Never mind. <laughs> that was eighteen different sentences I started. <sighs> but um, but just in terms of goals, what's my calling? What's my call? I don't think you need to know. No, I don't. I think that's what we've discovered in this episode. Is like, I think it evolves as you evolve. Yeah. And so let yourself evolve. I used to try to keep myself the same all the time. I always wanted to be rock solid, unemotional, um, fun, available for everyone, you know, and as you get older and you, you, you know, meet people who help you grow and people who stunt your growth. And, um, I think that it's good to evolve. It's good to evolve into 
who you're meant to be. I think that's it. I think it's not what you're meant to be on this planet. It's who you're meant to be. Yeah. So let's embrace that more. I like that. I like that. (laughs) 